So, a bit of a curiosity question tonight, just to start off. How many, how many Christmases decorated, houses decorated, uh, like, yeah, wreath, dog is decorated. We got Christmas sweaters for Chance and Sammy. They look amazing. Um, how many have not done any Christmas decorating yet? None. Okay, so it's great. Back, backslidden centers are here tonight. Super glad y'all are here. Um, I was trying to think about something to get us started, like on the same level, because Christmas Christmas is a touchy subject for some people. It's a messy subject for some people. And, and so I thought the best way to start to kind of get everybody leaned in was I want to share with you my top five Christmas movies of all time. Now, listen, these are my movies. This is my list. You don't have to agree with my list. In fact, go make your list and show it to your friends and you will feel better about it. But this is my list and it is the correct list. All right, here we go. Here we go. Number five, number five is Home Alone. And that's got to be on your list, at least top 10, right? Now, here's what's crazy about Home Alone. I saw it in the theater, like when you had to go to the movie. I didn't, I didn't see it on Netflix. I don't even know if they have it, right? Number four, number four, a bit, bit controversial, but it is a Christmas movie, is Die Hard. It is a Christmas movie. Don't, don't try to debate me on this one. It is a Christmas movie, and if you don't think it is, yippee-ki-yay. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to finish it, but we're there, okay? Number three is A Christmas Story, and that's where Ralphie is going to get the Red Ryder BB gun. Yeah, yeah. How many of you had a Red Ryder BB gun when you were a kid? Okay, all the, yeah, most, most of the women too. Okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. Um, number two is Elf, and because it's just, it's a great movie. It, you can get a lot of laughs. And then the number one, hands down, it's not, nothing's even closest. The most quoted Christmas movie of all time is Christmas Vacation. Yes, yes. So, so that's my list, and it doesn't have to be your list, but it's my list, and it's the correct list. All right, now, here's the, here's, the, here's the thing that I want to tell you, and this is a little insight in preacher world. And I know you don't think about preacher world because you have a job during the week, and you have things you do, and so I, I think about preacher stuff a lot. And Christmas time is a bit of a challenge. And the reason Christmas time is a bit of a challenge is because pastors sometimes, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but stay with me, we have a hard time coming up with what we're going to talk about because we have a limited list. Only two of the four gospel writers even mention Christmas. Mark and John were like, ah, Matthew and Luke, they got it. So they just kind of left it out. So this is our list. This is our list. We can talk about, we can talk about Jesus. And some of you are like, oh, but yeah, that's great. Oh, no, 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 hold on. You can't talk about any kind of Jesus. You got to talk about baby Jesus. If you talk about Jesus walking on the water, people will leave going, well, I was good. He walked on the water, but it wasn't nine pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus and golden fleece diaper. Like, they'll complain. <laughs> you got Jesus, and we can talk about Jesus, and you got Mary, and that's pretty incredible, right? Like, a virgin in the middle of nowhere, God comes and talks to her and says, I'm, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, and, and, and it's just kind of a reminder that God wants to do something in us, and if we just say yes, we have no idea how amazing it could be, and God tells Mary all this stuff, and we wrote a song about it called, Mary, Did You Know? And I love, love yelling at the song, because they're like, Mary, did you know? And I'm like, no, she didn't know. She had no idea, and neither do you, and neither do I about what God wants to do in our life, and we can talk about that, but We've done that, right? And then you talk about Joseph, but we don't know that much about Joseph. I mean, he was Jesus' earthly dad, um, but he died before Jesus was 30 years old, and there's very limited information. Then you got the shepherds, and I kind of like the shepherds because the shepherds were dirty. And when I say dirty, they weren't allowed to go to the temple. They weren't allowed to go to get their sins forgiven. They, they were just kind of excluded, the outcast. And Jesus said, you know what? 
I'm not going to go tell the religious experts that I'm here. Let's go tell the shepherds. And then there was the wise men, and they were pagans. I mean, they were, they were so far from God, it wasn't even funny. And, but, but here's the deal. This is pretty much it. And you say, well, Pastor P, I mean, that's a, that's a good list. It is. But when you've been doing it for 30 years, like I have, I've been doing this for over 30 years, you're looking at the list going, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't know. We could do something with the shepherds and Mary. I don't know. But then last year, last Christmas, something hit me. It was a thought I've never had. And I begged God. I said, God, please don't let me forget this because I forget most stuff. And he, I've held on to it for this year. So starting tonight and for the rest of the series, we're going to talk about somebody who's in the Christmas story, but I've never talked about him. And his name's Herod. Herod, we, we know about Herod because Matthew tells, and by the way, next week, next week, if, if you want to get your mind blown about how bad things really do happen to good people, and I just show up next week because it's going to be amazing, all right? But the Bible tells us, Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. In other words, Herod was, was the leader. And the, one of the only reasons we know about Herod is because of Jesus, which is a big deal, and I'll explain that in just a second. Herod was the ruler of this area of the Roman Empire, and Herod was rich. Herod was like nasty rich. Herod had, for example, one of the projects that Herod constructed during his time was the second temple. Now, the Israelites had two temples. The first temple was built by Solomon, and it was destroyed by the Babylonians in like 587 um, BC. And then along comes Herod, and he builds the second temple. Now, let me tell you why the second temple is a big deal. It costs a lot of money. When I say a lot of money, I mean a lot of money. Like I, the, the mall right across the street, it went on sale, and I think somebody bought it for $4.3 million. In my opinion, they paid $4 million too much, but that's just my opinion, right? And so... That's a lot of money, right? But if you were to take $1 bills and stack them, one on top of, of each other, a million dollars would be about three and a half feet high. A billion dollars would be about 0.63 miles high. A trillion dollars would be 631 miles high. And our, that's what our government spends every day somehow. So anyway, trillion dollars, trillion dollars. And he paid for this temple out of his pocket. It was considered to be one of the most remarkable wonders in the world. Herod built stuff. Herod built a temple. Herod built an, a seaport. Herod literally moved a mountain. He moved it from here. I mean, it was amazing. Herod built a lot of stuff, and everybody that looked at Herod said, everybody's going to remember him because of his money, because of his power, because of his fame, and he's building some stuff that's going to remain forever. And then there was a guy named Jesus. And about 16 chapters into Matthew, Jesus makes this statement. He said, he, he said to his guys, what do people say about me? And Peter finally said, well, everybody says you're the, I mean, I think you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the king. You're Lord. And Jesus said, and upon this rock, meaning this statement, I will build my church. Now, I got a question for you. Work a second chance, so you got to be honest. How many of you have ever gambled. Now, don't raise your hand yet. Don't raise your hand. I'm not talking about going to Vegas, and I have been to Vegas, okay? I'm not talking about Vegas. I'm talking about you have bet money on a 
on a football game, a baseball game, a basketball, you, you bet money and you won or lost, okay? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Ricky, okay, Ricky, I, 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 I lost 20 bucks to Ricky on the Clemson Carolina game, all right? <laughs> I paid, didn't I, Ricky? I paid you, didn't I? Yes, sir. Okay, those were your hands raised. Keep them up, keep them up, okay? Okay, how many of y'all played the lottery? Yeah, that's pretty much everybody. All right, so, so, let's, so let's say we could go back 2,000 years and we had the option of betting and we could place our bet on who would make the biggest difference in the history of the world. Would it, be, would it be Herod with his trillions of dollars and his unbelievable architectural projects? Or would it be this rabbi named Jesus who had a group of people around him, but this group of people, when they were describing them in Acts chapter 4, they said they were unschooled, ordinary men. If you break down that word in the Greek, it's idiotes. It's where we get our word idiot from. Jesus had 12 idiots. <laughs> so if you're looking at, and, and by the way, we don't like, because I know there's somebody here going, duh, Jesus. Okay, but we don't know what we know now. All we know is what we can see. This is what I know about everybody in this room. None of us would have bet on Jesus. We'd have said, Herod's building stuff, Jesus building stuff. If we're gonna bet on somebody, let's bet on Herod because Jesus, well, who knows what this is gonna turn out like. And today, the only reason we know Herod's name is because he's a footnote in the story of Jesus, right? So, so with all that being said, I wanna... I want to kind of focus on, in on this phrase that Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, I might build my church or I could build my church, but Jesus said, I will build my church. And that's what's been happening for 2,000 years. For 2,000 years, he's been building its, his church and it's been amazing and it's been beautiful. And everybody always wants to kind of pull me to the side. Well, what about the church when it did this? Okay, we've had our crazy moments, but still the church has done really awesome things in the world. So with that, I've got something I want to share with y'all. And this first part, just stay with me, just stay with me for a second, because you, you might be tempted to get mad, but I want you to know this, this isn't a complete sentence. So here's the first part of the sentence. I want us to grow. Like, I, I want us to grow. Now, I learned early in church world, not everybody wants the church to grow. They, that we, are, we are surrendered to God's moral will, but we are not surrendered to God's global will. That's good. I didn't say that this morning. Y'all got that for free. All right, so, so I remember I worked at a church in Pickens one time, and I was like, we're going to grow. And a lady was like, I don't want to grow. And I'm like, well, we're in Pickens. I mean, the odds are against us, but, but we managed to grow that church. And even churches like this, people are like, well, I kind of like the size. I like to know everybody. You don't know everybody in your church. I don't care what church you came from. I don't care if you're in this church. You don't know everybody. You know an average of 53 people, period. That's what's beautiful about our church. If you don't like people at 5 o'clock, you show up at 9.15. <laughs> if you don't like the 9.15 people, show up at 11. If you don't like any of those services, there's one common denominator. It's you, okay? I just want to throw that out there. You might be crazy. You just might be. You could be. But... I, I really do want us to grow. Now think about it. If you love something and you value something, you want it to grow. Am I correct? For those of you that are parents, think about this with me just for a second. 
Every one of you had that moment. Let's say your child's between six and 12 months old. Fits in both hands, and you're holding him or her, and they're just looking at you, and they're got a smile. And they probably farted, because babies smile when they fart, but what's well, I do too. But like that, that's because it's happy. It's a happy moment. It's like, whoo. Um, but you... <laughs> I didn't mean for that sound effect to go along with it. <laughs> but you're focused on this baby, and it's this cooing, and it's just so... You, and I've had parents tell me the same thing. You just want to freeze that moment, don't you? You're just like, God, could we please? I just, don't, I just don't want this child to grow. And then four hours later, your angel becomes a demon. <laughs> freaking out. And you're like... I need for this to get out of my house, right? <laughs> and as they grow, you, like, as they grow, it benefits you, right, mom and dad? Mom and dad, do, do you remember how much money you discovered you had when they stopped wearing diapers? You're like, we got, we, we're going to Vegas. We got walk around money, all right? This is, this is crazy. But if you, if you love something, you want it to grow. How many of you have ever planted a garden? Planted a garden. Garden people, garden people, okay. I'm not going to ask what you planted because this is second chance, all right? I'm not asking. I'm just, you planted something. When you plant a garden, this is what I know about anybody that's planted a garden. You want it to grow. You, you didn't break up the ground, put the seed in the ground, water it, weed it, and take care of it, and then say, well, I enjoyed the process. What happens, happens. No, you want it to grow because you're invested in it, right? Just like Jesus is really invested in his church. One more thing, like stock market. When you put money in a stock market, when you put money in a company, I, I mean, by the way, I, don't, I haven't even opened up my returns as they came in the mail. I just kind, of, just kind of shred them because I don't want to see them. But if you put money in the stock market, you want it to grow. If something is of value to you, you want that thing to grow. Jesus is, I mean, the, the church is valuable to Jesus and he wants it to grow. But this is the next part. This is the next part. And this is the part that matters the most. I want us to grow by building great people. When I say I want us to grow, I'll always have that person. And it hadn't happened today, but it'll happen this week. That talks about, oh, you just want this, and you just want this, and you just want the magazine. Listen, listen, I had all that. It's empty. I don't, I don't need it. I want to grow a great church by growing great people. Because this is what I know. Yeah, you can clap at that if you want to. I mean, that's, I mean, this, this is what I know. This is what I know. You build great people, the buildings will take care of themselves. I want for you and your spiritual walk with Jesus, I want it to be better. I want it to be greater. I care about the people in our church, which is, which is why, which is why I always, I always love to at least once or twice a year share the vision of our church and why it matters. Now, some of you are like, what does this have to do with Christmas? Wait, we'll circle it around at the end. I promise. I promise you'll, you'll like it. And if you don't, you got a free hoodie. Shh. All right, here we go. This is the vision of our church. Second Chance Church is a church where people, all people, experience the presence of Jesus 
every single week. That's our vision. That, that's, that's simple. Now, there's always the doctrine person. Well, what about the Trinity? What, okay, yeah, all that's, all, I'm sure all that's important, but this is what we go for every week. And you know what? We're not perfect, but there ha- I can't remember the last Sunday that we didn't experience his presence. Somebody got, gave their life to Christ. Somebody grew. Somebody made a decision to start following Jesus. That has happened every single week, even before we had the doors open and we were just online. Now, when I say all people, I mean, I, I don't care what you've done, what you're in. I want you to know that you can come to this church. And the reason why I say this is because you've invited a church, we've invited people to church before, and they'll go, oh, I can't come. I, I came to church. If I came to church, like the building would fall in. And you can, listen, you can literally say, Google my pastor. He's got you, all right? Come on in, meet him in the first timers area. It's great. I want all people. I don't care where they are on their spiritual journey. I want all people to be able to walk into this place because this is what I know. The church has invested way too much time in trying to change people. But if we'll just create an environment where people can experience the presence of Jesus, he will change them in his time and it'll be legit. Now, let me say one thing. Let me say one thing. Experience the presence of Jesus for most people is a wonderful thing. For some people, it's not. Now, let me tell you why. Because when we experience the presence of Jesus, we have two options, open hearts or hard hearts. And we, when we become hard-hearted and our ears become dull and we cannot hear, that's a dangerous place. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Open yourself up every time you walk in these doors. Jesus, what do you want to say to me? Doesn't matter, whatever you want to say. Now, let me show you how this works practically and why it matters and how this literally changes the entire community and eventually the world. This is a chart, and this is a, this is a spiritual growth chart. This chart, nothing on this chart indicates a person's value or worth. This, just, this is just a hypothetical measure of spiritual growth. Zero is where we meet Christ. And I'll explain that in a little while. This is not the value because our sin gets zeroed out, our our shame gets zeroed out, our guilt gets zeroed out, but more on that in just a second. 10 is like, this is is the angry atheist, okay? This is about as far from God as you can get, which by the way, I don't understand angry atheists because if there's not a God, why are you mad at him, okay? Like I don't wake up every morning and go, no! Unicorns! Ah! Like, I'm, I'm not going to do that in the morning. I'm just not going to be mad because they're not real, okay? So this is like so far away from God. This right here is like Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, and this right here is like just meeting Christ. Now, let's say, for example, we got a couple. Now, these names are hypothetical. They're made up. If your name pops up on the screen, I didn't know. Your wife did not call me. Your husband did not call me. But we are trying to raise money for children renovation. I can be bought. <laughs> All right, here we go. Bob and Linda show up. And Bob and Linda, they're not hostile to Christianity. In fact, they're kind of they're open to it. They didn't really grow up in church. I mean, they went a couple times with their grandparents, but, but they're what you call a negative four. And, and they aren't really living for Jesus. Which, by the way, 
One of the problems with the church in America today is people that are on this side of the line spiritually try to make rules for these people, and it don't work. Like, I will make a curfew for my child. I don't get to set the curfew for the neighborhood kids. So, so Bob and Linda, they walk in, they aren't living for Jesus, and nobody gossips about it. Oh, there's Bob. We know what he was doing last night. <laughs> so, so, so was half our staff, all right? So, so like, there's Bob. <laughs> and maybe, maybe they're not, maybe they're not living, a, maybe they're not, li- you know, maybe, maybe they're like my grandma used to say. Maybe they're shacking up. <laughs> Y'all feel the nervousness in the room when I say that? I love it when I tell people that, shacking up. They go, well, marriage is just a piece of paper. Well, sign it. I'll move on. Y'all aren't ready for that. All right, I'll just, I'll just move on. But over time, Bob and Linda move from a four to a zero, meaning they meet Christ and, and their sin is forgiven. Now, let me, let me just say this real quick. Once you cross over to this side of the line, you can never come back here. I believe in once saved, always saved. And if you don't believe that, then... You are, you are lucky. We say the sinner's prayer every week in this church. You can get saved every week, all right? I don't have time to de- debate it theologically. I'm just telling you, Bob and Linda meet Christ and they go to zero. Now, here's what I love about Jesus. All of us in this room have heard about, maybe even participated in, cancel culture. People get canceled, things get canceled. Do you know that the world is just now catching up with Jesus? Because Jesus has been into canceling things for over 2,000 years. Check this out. This is what Paul said to a group of people that met in a church called at Colossae. Paul told them this. He said, hey, guys, here's what y'all need to know about you. You were dead. That's dang, Paul. Why you gotta be so, I mean, he didn't say, you had some issues, you were struggling with some stuff, you were, you were having a hard time. Mm-mm. Paul said, spiritually, you were dead. By the way, what can a dead person do for themselves? Nothing. None, none of us have ever been to a funeral looking at the coffin going, man, hope they pull through. Dead is dead. Spiritually, you were dead because of, your, because of your sins. Not because of what happened in the world, not because of what somebody did to you, not because of what somebody said about you, your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave, let's say this word on three, one, two, three, all. Let's say it like when we ended on three, one, two, three, all. Even that sin that you think he didn't forgive, he forgave it. That thing that keeps you awake at night, it doesn't cause him to lose an ounce of rest. He forgave all our sins. And then watch this. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Before the world was canceling things, Jesus was canceling things, and he canceled sin. Canceled your sin. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, he could cancel your sin before you walk out these doors. Let's check out the next one. The next one is 
George and Jennifer. By the way, these names, George and Jennifer, if you're married, they're married. If you're single, they're single, okay? That way you don't have to feel left out. George and Jennifer, they're baby Christians. They're a two, and they've met Christ, and they've started to grow a little bit, and, and they started attending our church. And over time, over time, and by God's grace, we don't know how much time because we can't put a time limit on this. They go from a two to a five. Now, real quick question about Bob and Linda. When they went from a negative four to a zero, did their life get better, yes or no? Yes, because when we put Jesus at the center, everything gets better. I didn't say everything gets easier. I said everything gets better. But then we got George and Jennifer, and they go from a two to a five. Their life improves. Their life gets better. Why? Because we create an environment where people can experience the presence of Jesus every single week. Now, let me tell you that the only problem with this right here When people are in this zone, most of the growth that happens, we don't see it. It's not evident. And so you got some people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, that they'll show up and go, well, I just don't see any fruit in George and Jennifer's life. Well, first of all, in the list of spiritual gifts, fruit inspector is not on there. In fact, if you're a fruit inspector, you're probably not gonna do really good here. Because first of all, your fruit's rotten if you've got enough time to go around and judge other people's fruit. But, but the, if you're going to carry that metaphor out to its fullest extent, if you say there's no fruit in their life, then let's just carry that metaphor out to its fullest extent. Fruit comes from a seed. The seed came from a, or the fruit comes from a tree. The tree comes from a seed that was planted in the ground. The early part of that seed's growth was underground. You couldn't see it but it was essential for that seed to survive because it was developing a system of roots that went down deep. You see, it grew deep before it grew up. Before anybody could see the tree growing, the tree was growing down. It was getting strong. And because it was growing underground, when the storm comes, that tree can withstand any storm that comes its way. Now, the reason I say that is because a well-intending Christian can look at somebody in judgment and say, I don't see any fruit in your life, and you can kill the work of God in their life because God's working underground in their hearts and in their minds. So people show up at church and you don't see any change, but you know what? Give them time because you can't be in the presence of Jesus consistently and stay the same. Then we got, we got Tom and Amy. Tom and Amy are knocking it out. They're, they're sevens. They, they show up and they they volunteer, they're reading their Bible, they're giving. I mean, they, they work some worship music into their life. They, they, man, they're, they're walking with the Lord. But then it hits the fan. We don't know what it is. It could be COVID. It could be the death of a family member, child, parent. It could be job loss. And they go from a seven to a three. Now, typically, this is, when, this is when people leave churches. This is when people leave because now that people know you're struggling with something, well, you can't stay there, but you can stay here. See, if this is what you go through and you kind of go backwards in your walk with Christ, hope is not gone. The, you, you can stop this digression, and actually, what, what if Tom and Amy, they get here, they raise their hands, they need some help, 
They need some prayer. They begin to work through things. They begin to adjust their life. They, they begin to understand what the scripture says. And over time, they go back from a three, and they're not quite back where they were, but they're not where they used to be. See, I, that's my story. And, and you say, Pastor Pete, this is great. You've shown us a bunch of numbers and charts and Tom and Amy and all these people. Why does this matter? I mean, how does this change the world? Jesus said he'd build the church, and how does this change the world? Well, ask yourself this question. In this community right here, Anderson, South Carolina, over the next year, we get 1,000 Bob and Lindas who give their life to Christ. Does the community change? Absolutely. Absolutely. It gets safer. It gets better. You, you get 1,000 George and Jennifers who go from a two to a five. Does that change this community? Absolutely. And then you get 1,000 Tom and Amy's. Does that change the community? Absolutely. Where somebody can go and admit they're struggling and they're not where they used to be in their walk with Christ, but they want to get back there, that, this right here is how you change the world. One person, one community at a time. Because everybody in this room knows, everybody in this room knows, it's not a secret that we live in a dark, dark world. All of us have seen the news this week. Shootings, mass shootings, it's horrible. But Jesus said that we're to shine like stars in the universe. But the beautiful thing about light is it shatters darkness. And the other beautiful thing about light is people are attracted to it. And when stars start getting together and light gets together and it begins to build, it starts making an impact. And people aren't focused on the darkness anymore. They're focused on the light. And as the light gets bigger, as the church gets bigger, and as the light grows stronger, as people grow in their faith and their walk with Christ, eventually the light becomes something that the world cannot deny because every time we look around, we don't see, we don't see darkness we see blinding light, and that's what Jesus has called the church to be. Now, how does this happen? I'm glad you asked. Number one, it happens through connection. Connection. You ever, you ever lost connection? It's, it's so frustrating, isn't it, when you're talking to somebody, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this was this thing, and I went to the place, and I couldn't believe that she said that. And you're like, hold on, somebody's calling, and you look, and it was the person you were talking to. <laughs> and you're like, what's the last thing you heard? And you've been talking to two minutes to nobody. <laughs> Connection matters. I discovered this not too long ago when I bought a printer <laughs> that could do everything. But you know what else I discovered about that printer? If it's not plugged in... You don't need to know the details of the story. It just, it happened. Here's, here's the deal about everybody here tonight. I want you to understand. Your life begins to change when you get connected. Because some people go, oh, I tried church, it didn't work. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I didn't say convenience. I said connection. Convenience is I'm going to go when I feel like it. Connection is I'm going. Like, for example, you can't mistreat your body for 40 years, go to Planet Fitness for two weeks, and expect it to all be better, can you? 
No, because they be serving you pizza when you're walking out, all right? <laughs> I'm just saying, if you want to see Jesus begin to do a work in your life that will significantly change your life, get connected to the house of God and get connected to the people of God. Get connected to the house. Connected. You're going to show up. And then for some of you, you should listen to me. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just saying. You've been riding the bench for a while. It's time to volunteer. It's time to get involved. Pastor P, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I could volunteer. I'm glad you asked. The area where we need the most help right now, I mean, we're, we're growing. We're growing. Is our kids' area. Kids are growing. They're having a great time over there. On Sunday mornings, we, they have literally interrupted the service by screaming. And we love it. Because when I was a kid, if we screamed, it was because the church was on fire, all right? That's the only reason we would scream, because it wasn't because we were having fun. So we, got, we need help in the kids' ministry. We need volunteers in the kids' ministry. Some of you are like, I sure do wish I knew how to sign up for the kids' ministry. Man, doesn't God work? <laughs> I need to see some people take out your phone. I need you to come. Go ahead. What are you doing? You've been asking God, God show me. God, I need a sign. <laughs> take, I'll pose with it for five seconds. Now, now we go, and this is for every area. We're going to run a background check. We're going to run it. Now, that makes some people, oh. Listen, you tell somebody you're going to run a background check, they think you're Catholic. They just start confessing sin. Okay, I do. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, I don't want to know about all that. We're just checking to make sure you've never harmed a child. That's an issue. If you've done that, you can't work with kids. That's a big deal. But for some of you that have been saying, well, I just want to, I would just love to serve where the church needs me. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You, some of, there should be, listen, y'all got a free hoodie. You should at least fake taking the picture. Good gosh. <laughs> Let me tell you why I want this, though. I don't want this for us because we've got amazing volunteers. We're going to get it done. I want this for you. Because Jesus said, Jesus, Jesus said, whoever wants to be great. See, we build a great church by building great people. And if you want to become great, Jesus said, you must, you must become a servant. I just want to build great people. I want for you to dive in to discover that Jesus can absolutely use you to make a difference in this world. This second chance is not a me thing, it's a we thing. Which leads to number two, celebration. I was convicted. I'm reading through the Old Testament right now. Do y'all know how many parties they have in the Old Testament? They have seven festivals every year. In, in Judaism. I'm like, man, I should convert. I mean, I just, I mean, there's seven. When, when I say parties, they shut down everything for a week and just celebrate. 
I'm like, man, everybody knows what the church is against, but nobody knows what the church is for. So I'm telling y'all, 2023 is going to be year of the party. We are going to, we're going to have parties. We're going to have celebration. Some of y'all are like, what does that look like? I don't know. We're going to talk about it at staff meeting tomorrow. I, they, they are literally hearing this for the very first time. They're like, what? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know we're going to celebrate because we got some stuff to celebrate as a church. Like, for example, let me just kind of share with y'all some some things that kind of get me excited when I look at the condition of our church. Last year, I stood on this stage and told y'all that we needed $750,000 to pay for the construction of this building. Y'all remember that? I said, we need $750,000. I said, we we paid most of it, but we owe $750,000, and that's how much we need. And then I told y'all, don't freak out, because this isn't all we need. We need more, because we had just bought the building. Last year, we bought the building. We bought the building, and we needed, it was $3 million, and we needed like $250,000 down to, by the end of December to give to the bank. Now, here's what's funny. When I signed the bank note, and they said we need $250,000 by the end of December, we didn't have it. They said, they said, so payment by the end of December? I was like, yep, yep. All I did was come here and tell y'all. That's all I did. That's all I did. So to date, we paid $3 million for the building. Because of the way that you've given this year, we've got it paid down so far to $2.4 million. We were able to make the down payment and then pay some extra on it as well. And <laughs> Pastor P, how much do we owe on that construction loan? Let me say, you might be brand new to Second Chance, and you are, you are telling your wife, baby, hold on to that purse. They, they're coming. They're coming after us. <laughs> I don't do that here. I don't beg. I don't do the drive-by guiltings. You know, and I could. I could. I'd be like, you know what? We've got people going to hell because <laughs> y'all ain't giving. <laughs> Go home tonight and put your hand in the fireplace and listen to your skin sizzle and see if you're okay with that for eternity because you are sick. Stingy, greedy person. <laughs> that don't work. Nobody just went, oh my God, I gotta give. I mean, you can, you can do a drive-by guilting and you can, you can guilt people into giving for about two weeks. All I've done, if you've been attending this church for any amount of time, I typically just stand up, say these are the ways to give and say thank you. And you guys respond. There's so many people in this church that have put Jesus first in their finances and it shows. Um, since we started as a church, we have seen 2,635 people give their lives to Christ. Now, but here's what's crazy about that number. Um, 787 of those people have been this year. Since we started our church, we've, seen, we've baptized 314 people. But... But out of that number, this year, 219 of those got baptized. 219 got baptized this year. I'm just, I'm just celebrating what God's done in this house. And what's even, what's even a bigger deal is the real celebration stories, I may never know them on this side of eternity because Jesus, he's done something and some lives in here tonight. He's, he's changed some stuff. He's changing some stuff. You're not ready to talk about it yet. 
but you're going to see it. You're going to experience it, and other people will see it. Last but not least, Revelation. This is where I'm going to stop preaching for just a second. And I just want to talk to you. Um, I want for you, more than anything else in the world, I want for you to be able to hear the voice of God. And I want for this to be a place that you just hear God speak to you whether it's in a song, whether it's in a video, whether it's in a message. I don't care how you hear God speak to you. I just want for this to be a place where you hear God speak and he is just so real that you can't deny him. Because I know how powerful revelation is. Six years ago tomorrow, I launched a business called The Growth Company. And... uh and it was very successful. I made a lot of money. You know, you know what I discovered when you're not in church work and you make a lot of money? People don't care. They don't. I made a lot of money and I was miserable. But the reason I started the growth company is because I thought I couldn't do church work again. And to be honest with you, I wasn't sure I wanted to. But over the course of that year, God wouldn't let it go. I said, okay. I said, let's, let's, let's start a church. And y'all, I didn't see this. I didn't see this happening. I didn't see it. I, I literally, I've, I've got a staff member. I remember telling him, you know, we'll have... We'll have two or three, four hundred people. And I'm so good with that. I'm good with it. I don't. Then it started growing. And we outgrew the liquor store. <laughs> and now we're here. I had a friend asked me, how long do you think how long do you think we'll be in this building? I mean, I said, oh, this will do us for five, six, seven, ten years. We're good. We've been here less than two years. And if we didn't set an attendance record today, we came close. We've outgrown this space. So for the past month, God and I have gone, I, I had to go back to him and just get confirmation. I was like, God, are you sure? Because let me tell y'all, we're getting to that space, and I told Shannon this last week, we're getting to that space where the, the shots are going to start coming a little bit more often, and they're going to get a little bit more personal. Because when your church gets about 2,000 people, people start talking about the clothes you wear and the car you drive and the house you live in, and there's all kinds of stuff. And I wasn't sure I wanted to go through that again. Because that crap hurts. And I, I, I just, I just went before God. And I was like, God, I, and the, and then personally, just the past month has been the toughest month I've ever experienced in leadership of this church. 
had to make some difficult decisions. It's just been, and I just was like, God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then God spoke to me so clearly. Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that day hasn't come yet. So he told me that day hasn't come. So I'm not done. So I told God, let's do this. Let's do it. What are we going to do next? I don't know. I just told God, let's do this. And he hadn't told me what's next. I, I said, let's just, let's just do this. We got a Christmas offering we're doing called Let's Do This. We're going to try to raise a million dollars over this next year in addition to our regular giving. Last year, we did a measurable more. Y'all remember that? I said we needed to raise a million, and we didn't. We raised 1.2. But <laughs> Pastor Pete, why do, we need to, why do we need to raise a million dollars? Well, a couple things. Number one, we need to, reno we, we need to renovate the kids' area. It needs, a, it needs an upfit. It needs a, it, it, it needs a facelift. We talked about it last week. <laughs> When we built it, we just built it, but it needs to, it, we need to make it more kid Disneyland world-ish. <laughs> and if we're even going to think about starting campuses, this, I love it when people go, I, I want you to get a campus in Greenville. I want you to get a campus in Columbia. I want you to get a campus. Well, you know what? We do too, but we, we don't even have offices in Anderson. We don't even have a, like a foundation center where we could operate stuff. So we're trying to raise money to get that done. Ashby, how does all this tie into Christmas? Well, if you're betting on Herod and you're betting on Jesus, knowing what you know now, you would have bet on Jesus. Am I correct? Why don't you bet on him in 2023? Pray and serve and give. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. So, Father, that's our prayer. As we take these next few moments just to reflect, just to celebrate, may we know, God, that in you giving us Jesus, you gave us the cornerstone, rock solid, anything built on Christ will stand. Jesus, you said that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail. So as we celebrate what you've done, may we do so in, in anticipation of what you're going to do. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen. I wonder if somebody is thankful for who God is and what God has done in their lives. I wonder if we could just take 15 seconds and say, thank you, Jesus. For, come on, y'all yell, yell louder than this at a football game yesterday. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for what you've done, and what you're going to do. This is, love it. I absolutely love seeing God do his thing in his time. This is what I know today, all day long, God has spoken. So I want us just to take a moment
speak back to him. Father, I pray over these next few moments, Jesus, that you would just you would just speak a word into our hearts, into our minds. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know what you went through this week. I don't know what you struggled with. I don't know what you walked in here with. But this is what I know. Jesus is in this place right now, and I believe with all my heart, he has spoken so clearly. So if he spoke to your heart, just take a second and speak back to his. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You're on that chart, you haven't, you haven't been zeroed out. You, you have never prayed to receive Christ. Your sins have never been canceled. You have never asked Jesus to be your savior. And tonight, I'm gonna to invite you to make that decision. I'm gonna invite you right where you stand to ask Jesus to come in your life. And here's what, we do, here's what we do here at Second Chance. I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer out loud. Now, there's nothing magical about the prayer. It's just the way we ask Christ to come into our life. But we do this through prayer. And so you're gonna pray it out loud, but you're not gonna pray it alone because our Second Chance family, we pray it out loud every week for the benefit of those that are praying it for the first time. So if, you're, if you know that you need Christ, I want you to pray this with us. And our Second Chance family is gonna pray this out loud with you. Let's just say it, just say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. You are my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer, you just asked Christ, your sin was just canceled out. You just asked Jesus to come in your life. I'm gonna count to three, and I've done this all day, and it's been amazing. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, when I hit three, I want you to put your hand straight up in the air and leave it up, because I wanna pray with you for you. I wanna celebrate with you. Here we go, one, two, three. If you prayed that prayer, lift it up, hold it up. Amen, amen, all day long. This is great, amen. Hold them up, 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 hold them up. Thank you so much, Jesus for the lives that you have changed tonight. Thank you so much, Jesus, for how real you are in this place and in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for every single person that prayed to receive you, Jesus. I pray they would walk out of this place knowing that, that guilt and shame has been broken and they are made brand new in you. Father, I wanna pray for every single person in this room tonight as we walk out. May we walk out knowing, God, that we were in your presence. May we walk out knowing that you have greater things planned, not just for our church, but for our lives. Father, may we walk out and may we be just a little bit closer to you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for how faithful you have been. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done, for what you're doing, and for what you're going to do. We celebrate you, and everybody that agreed with this prayer said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? I'm glad y'all show up next week. We're going to continue the series. Love you guys. God bless.